What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, January 10th, 2021, and this week's episode, the 2021 preview. Last week, we gave out all the awards for the past 12 months. This week, we are looking ahead to an absolutely packed year in the world of MMA and the UFC in particular. And we'll be discussing this Saturday's return to action, Max Holloway against Calvin Cater on Fight Island. The fans coming back and everything. What's up, guys? My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I am here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. All right, I'm ready to cook. We're right at the beginning of a brand new year. Lots of exciting, potentially exciting fights on the horizon. I, like I bet. To... Let's let's hope that they all come through, right? <laughs> you know what? If you think about it, pretty much all the fights we expected, save for John Jones fights, they kind of happened in 2020. All things regard, you know, considered. So I was like, you know what? Outside of the Tony Habib one, which I admit, you know, like people would say they'd give up a few fights just to have that one, but I think overall. The schedule still came together. So I do want to say, like, as bad as it was, MMA did come through. Dude, but, you know. big time. They came through big time for all, for all of us. And, uh, like, that's the only thing that when I, you know, we look back on the year, like, there was that, obviously, that period where everything shut down. But once they were back, they were, like, you know, throwing MMA in our face, you know. We're trying to keep up. So they did they did their part to get us through the year. <laughs> I mean, uh, my point is, I think that the schedule will come together once again this year. I don't think we're going to have a major, you know, shake up in that way. But knock on wood, just in case. All right. So, guys, as I said, a lot to go over. Essentially, sit down, buckle in. We've got a full year to break down. We'll be going top to bottom from all of the UFC's weight classes. They're touching on a lot of the major storylines. Natalie, are you ready? I'm ready. It's Joe Fed. Are you, you got your cup of coffee? You know, you're Joe? ready for this? Who's Joe? No, <laughs> yes, he's Fed. Okay. All right. So let's start, you know, the, you know, the land of giants, the heavyweight division. Um, Very bluntly. So Dana White said he is targeting April in the end for the fight between reigning champion Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou. Um, one... I love. I still love that fight. I think it's a pick'em fight. We know how great Stipe is. We know how scary Francis Ngannou is. And even though the first fight went one way, when you're talking about Francis, it really doesn't matter. He only needs that little more than any other heavyweight. He just needs that little bit of space, that little bit of contact, and you're looking up at the lights. So I still love that fight. My question to you: We have. Very intriguing contenders. You got Alistair Overeem. You've got Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis who are set to fight in February. Considering everything with the heavyweight title, Natalie, with John Jones potentially moving up and everything, do you believe that these fighters will all stay active even if the heavyweight title is wrapped up between Jones and Ngannou um, coming up in 2021? It will because, you know, these guys... They want to make money. They want to fight, and they're exciting. Heavyweights always bring crowds, bring eyeballs. 
Um, but, you know, I almost don't even, I know that he vacated the, the light heavyweight belt. He's saying, you know, he's going to be up at heavyweight. But I almost feel like unless we see you in the shorts, in the cage, like I don't even want to really consider him because Stipe Ngannou is exciting. Whoever wins that fight, their next fight with Curtis Blade, Derek Lewis, that's going to be exciting. You definitely got to believe that if Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis fight again, it's going to be the complete opposite of what we got the first time, which is one of the most underwhelming letdown fights probably <laughs> in the last decade or, you know, last decade. Yeah, the decade prior. Um, so, yes, I think they will all fight each other. They're going to stay active. And, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to, just for my own sake, I'm going to keep John Jones, like, sort of in the periphery here because he's so fickle and temperamental on social media anyway and um i don't want to get too excited about anything and i also don't want to see him hold anything up like these are exciting fighters let them just work through their division until john jones shows up to my mind he's not part of the division yet for me i think that um particular of Curtis Blades uh, wins I think that that essentially just removes Alistair Overeem from the running completely even if he wins his fight coming up um I think uh, last time I checked I think Curtis said he was gonna wait I know I asked him about it it's been a minute and the fight didn't come through so I kind of forgot what he said but I do believe he said look he beats Derek Lewis uh, he's he's sitting pretty it's like look whatever happens happens with the title and all this but you know he feels he's earned it and I agree with him from the run the current run that he's on and the fact that he's never fought Stipe my thing about it is that in the event that the title is wrapped up with these guys and John Jones does come up if I'm being honest Stipe the last two years he's been a once a year fighter he's only yeah. he fought um dc once in 2019 he only had the one fight with dc in 2020 this fight is happening late spring april pretty close to the summer already if i had to say it i don't know if i have the great amount of confidence as stipe wins that we will see an event where possibly he fights uh you know, John Jones or Curtis Blades late in the year, but just from the way the last few years have gone, I don't know if that'll happen. So with that said, if John Jones were to fight, you're talking about Curtis Blades, you're looking at over a year off if you win your fight with Derek Lewis and vice versa for Derek. So a lot of moving parts there. Like I understand your um, concern with John Jones, and we're gonna get into that in the next segment at light heavyweight. But I will say, if Stipe wins, I'm not sure that the belt goes up for grabs more than once, possibly twice. But the fact is, somebody's gonna be left sitting out either way with these top contenders like Alistair, Derek, and Curtis. So I think that is food for thought, depending on how this all plays out. Now, I will uh, close it out with this. If Ngannou wins, I do believe that we will see um, the title fought more frequently because Ngannou, besides the fact that um, being ready, he has also said he's disappointed that he's only been a once-a-year fighter, essentially, in 2020. So if he goes out there, happens to stop Stipe under 60 seconds, we could very well see him turn right back around and fight Jones or a Blade, someone like that, in July. 
Yeah, I'm with you on on the uh, Ngannou point. If he if he wins uh, the belt, he's definitely going to do his best to be active. The guy's itching to fight. We want to see him fight. He's improving, you know, fight after fight after the Stipe loss and that Derek Lewis debacle. Like, you know, it's been a new and improved Ngannou, scarier <laughs> Ngannou, faster Ngannou, catch at any angle Ngannou. So he's ready to get in there. And so, you know, I think actually, though, if I, if I think about it, was Stipe, I think he suffered an injury after the first DC fight, right? Like an eye injury, and that's what kept him away for a while? Yes. Okay, so... Maybe this time around, you know, he would be more inclined to fight sooner, assuming there's no injury that keeps him, you know, sidelined for longer than a month or two. But uh, also take keeping in mind his, you know, full time career, his other full time career, I should say, as a as a firefighter. You know, maybe he's just considering the times we're in, more focused on doing that um, over over MMA. I don't know. Uh, more willing to give that a priority than a fight with someone that maybe he's not that excited to fight. We'll see. We'll see. But that's something I, I keep in mind because I feel like he's a fighter, but the firefighter is what he is his first. Like, I think he defines himself more by that than by, you know, UFC champion. This is a very great point. And it is very honorable and always want to remember. You can't give him a hard time. It's like, well, it's not like he was sitting in Cabo you know, drinking Mai Tais, he's out there risking his life while, you know, we talk about wanting to see him go- come back. So that is a very, very great point. I think everyone needs to remember. Light heavyweight. Uh, it is both simple and complicated at the same time. <laughs> um, it's official. Adesanya will be fighting Jan Blahovic in March. So obviously he's going for the champ champ status. Um, I want to start with the easier one. If Jan Blahovic wins, obviously Glover Tashira is still right there, the unanimous number one contender, and that's a great fight stylistically. My question for you, how active do you expect Blahovic to be in 2021? Because he's another guy, he's fought twice, sometimes he fights three times, but do you see this being an active title? Yes, I do. Um... I think he's one of those guys that you kind of didn't see coming. You know, you knew he was a powerhouse and someone to contend with. But in my mind, Dominic Reyes was was sort of the heir apparent to the to the championship throne, right? Because of how he fought John Jones. So when Jan came in, stole that from him, you know, rightfully st- not stole it, but beat the brakes off of him to get the belt. Um, it was a surprise to me and uh, to a lot of people, I think. So he's got a lot of momentum. He's super pumped to have the belt to be the champion it's a great honor for him for poland i think he's going to try to be as active as he can and um i don't know off the top of my head what his like injury history has been but i think i think he's pretty much been okay and so i do expect him to to go as often as as is possible which you know in the world of mma and light heavyweights means probably two or three times a year this year, 2021. So, yeah, I think we're going to see him if, if he uh, if he holds on to his belt for sure. So, so it would be two additional times after his fight in March. There's obviously guys in, you know, trying to make their way back up. Anthony Smith is trying to get up there. You have Alexander Rakic. You've got Jiri Prochaska, who made his UFC debut after a great run in Ryzen. Dominic Reyes possibly getting back up there. 
uh, Tiago Santos too. So there are a lot of players in the mix, but I think just that little, just those that triumvirate at the top without Asanya, Blahovic, and Tashira, I do believe that they're just going to wrap up that entire um, 205 title picture in 2021. I think that, um, I don't know, just because of the nature of those fights, I feel like it's just hard for me to see a scenario where he gets in there a third time because I feel like they're going to want to space it and they're going to want to stack the events that these guys are on. So, you know, that's just my thing about it. I think Blahovich in a regular year, he'd be down for three. But because he's already involved in one of the more anticipated fights without Asanya, it may be a little slower. Um, which brings us the question. So he's going to be my segue into middleweight. So I'm going to phrase it this way. If Adesanya beats Blahovich and John Jones does not move up or it does not stay to fight him, in, in your heart, does Adesanya defend the 205 title or does he beat Blahovich and he moves down to 185? Oof. I think it depends on how he... I mean, if he beats Jan, presumably... He would have felt great at two at light heavyweight at 205 and you know like the way he was able to move his body with the extra extra muscle but I yeah I think it really comes down to how he found the whole training camp the whole process to be ready to fight at light heavyweight how he likes it as compared to middleweight and how he feels about the competition so yeah John Jones I got to tell you, man, like at this point, John Jones vacated his 205 belt. Why would he stick around to fight Adesanya at light heavyweight for a belt that was just his that nobody beat him to get? That's that's tricky, except except that when you think about John Jones, maybe he would kind of see it as like a middle finger to the division saying, hey, look, I gave up the belt and then I won it back like nothing because you guys aren't even good enough to beat me, you know, even when I give it up, when I give it to you guys. I could see him sort of thinking something like that, but but mostly I figure uh, I don't see him going to fight Adesanya at light heavyweight for a belt that he just that he just vacated. So I don't know. As for Adesanya, I go back to how does he feel at light heavyweight versus middleweight, and if John Jones is out of the light heavyweight picture, what does he think of the competition? What's more exciting to him? You know, Robert Whitaker one more time, or the the new guys at light heavyweight that he hasn't fought yet. My guess is he'll want to entertain new contenders. Stop, you know, not only has he fought a lot of the guys in middleweight, but he's been thinking about all of them. So maybe you want to refresh and start thinking about some other guys and the new challenges that that would bring. So I say he sticks at light heavyweight, even if John Jones doesn't. I agree with you. I'll explain. I, I want to touch on John Jones before I talk about Adesanya's future. Um, and we discussed this, uh, I believe, when they announced it. But for me... Adesanya's played the part as well as he can. Mm -hmm. He's made the moves, he's had the performances, and he's talking the best game since Chelsonen. The difference is Adesanya is about a, you know, a much, much better fighter than Chelsonen was when he kind of got that interest in a John Jones fight. I've said it, Adesanya's probably the most intriguing opponent that has ever taken aim at Jones. If you think about a lot of the guys John has fought, a lot more quieter, reserved, just out there to do business, not really trash talkers. 
Adesanya is not that. He is there to make noise and make this a super fight. I've listened to Dana, like I'm sure you have. He said he, you know, he essentially said he doesn't have high hopes that the John Jones Adesanya fight will happen. And every time I look at it, I do believe that unless there is an overwhelming, and I mean overwhelming surge of fan interest, that he is not going to concede to the Adesanya plan and fight him at light heavyweight in 2021. I just don't see it. I think that um, partially on a competitive standpoint, partially on ego, I do believe that John Jones believes in being the A-side over making a big fight. And I think that he feels that if he were to, oh, kind of be the play into the script that Adesanya has been talking about, that's just not what he's about as a man, as a person. So I do believe that all that's, you know, in the way of that mega fight. Now, I will say it again. John Jones can move up, but if Adesanya's down at 205 and he's just put, you know, giving guys the business at, you know, in John Jones' old weight class, yes, John is going to be, you know, great at heavyweight. Obviously, that adds to his status as, you know, the GOAT to a lot of people, but it will follow him. If Adesanya's still undefeated and John Jones still isn't fighting him, that will stick with him, just plain and simple, because you know Adesanya's not going to let him forget, you know what I mean? So yeah, I want to say that there. Um, in terms of Adesanya at middleweight, uh, real quick, he's already fought Whitaker. He's already fought Vittori, which after he beat Hermanson, I would have said Vittori. Well, Vittori's the next guy. Potential title eliminator with Rob Whitaker in 2021. That would have been my plan. And then, you know, you remember Adesanya beat Vittori. Close fight, split decision, but that's still a win. He beat Whitaker. He's beaten Costa. Uh, Darren Till's coming off a loss and on the mend. Uh, Kevin Holland, I think Adesanya, you know, look, Kevin Holland's making noise. I know they had the little scuffle or interaction, whatever. Kevin Holland is still a big fighter too away from talking about Adesanya and selling the fight. So if I look at it, he stays at 205 because... You beat Blahovich, that's huge. You beat Tashira, holy guacamole. Mm-hmm. Like, we got a real problem on our hands. You know what I mean? So, I, I agree with you. Stay at 205 if you're Adesanya. I think that does everything to make you a bigger star back at 185. And that does every, all the work for you to, you know, put the heat on John Jones without you doing anything else. I like it. I was hoping you'd say that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to um, record that so you can just press that button now. <laughs> you don't even need me anymore. Save it you though. You can just talk and then just press. I like it. <laughs> save the voice note in my phone. Yep. Um, real quick, uh, Whitaker's in a title eliminator next year no matter what. Who do you think he fights? Uh, I think it's going to be Paulo Costa. Um, Paulo Costa's looking for redemption in a bad way. He can't get it against Adesanya because Adesanya beat the brakes off of him, embarrassed him, frankly. Um, you know, I don't say that. I say it respectfully. I mean, those are facts. <laughs> he embarrassed him. Um, so I think it's going to be Paulo Costa. He's, you know, Martin Vittori looks great. He's, he's, he's like finally popped, I think, to the Paulo Costa level of people saying like, whoa, we want to see this guy fight more. 
Um, but but Paulo Costa is still a bigger name. Robert Whitaker deserves a bigger name to fight. And um, you know, like I said, redemption. That's uh, that's the name of the of the game here for Paulo Costa. So if he beats Whitaker, then he's you know he has some he has some ground to stand on to say like Adesanya, I want a rematch. He won't get it ever, but he has some ground to stand on there. Um, yeah, what do you see? I agree with you. I think it'll be Costa for the exact same reason. Um, I think that you know Whitaker. You know, when you talk about the business of it, you know, you'd rather fight Costa. Also, stylistically, I think that he probably feels more confident about what he could do after seeing Adesanya against him. Um, but then more than that, I think that Whitaker, he wants to set it up so if Adesanya does stay up, um, that he can be, um, he kind of can set it up where it's like, hey, give me an interim title or give me the interim title in the next fight, you know. Make it so he gets the biggest fight and the most pay possible. I know the UFC does not like to do that when you have a dominant and exciting character like Adesanya. Um, but I just think that that is something that he's going to look to try to set up. And Paulo Costa is the easiest way to do that. Yeah. And then look, uh, I think uh, I know that. Um, what's his name? Holland is set up for Derek Brunson. That's a big fight, but. I'll be honest, part of me wanted to see uh, Holland Vittori. I think that that's a big one. I think that both of those guys, Holland, Brunson too, respectfully, and uh, Marvin Vittori, they're set up. They're all going to fight each other eventually. Because I think that now they've officially reached that point. you got to beat the other to get the big fight with the Whitakers and Adesanyas of the division. So I think we're going to see a very interesting round robin at the top of the middleweight division and i think it's going to be a lot of fun moving on uh the welterweight division so let's completely take all the john jones adesanya conversation out of it let's move on so it's been confirmed kamaru is gonna fight gilbert burns in february the note i want to bring up Everyone is still talking about it. The ultimate fighter. I think everyone wants to see Masvidal Covington and the television that will produce. Dana White has come out and said that due to everything COVID and the struggle to make a TV show like Tough, that the ultimate fighter is not filming early, but more toward the summer of 2021. Obviously, Masvidal and Covington fought last summer. So my question is, do you think the UFC is going to wait to put that fight together because they really want them to coach the show? Or do you think we'll see them fight in early 2021? Oh, man. I think I think that they're going to make them. I think they're going to want to make them wait. But I don't know if they can get Masvidal and Colby to wait. Like, these guys can't sit on ice for that long. I mean, Masvidal, okay, he fought in July. He is 36. Like, he's not going to want to keep sitting on ice. You got to stay in the mix to keep your, you know, your your brand alive. And he can't just do it through social media. Um, like, that's not enough, right? You got to actually fight. I'm sure he wants to fight. So I really hope that, that Masvidal and Colby and Covington can get the UFC to budge on this. Is there a way where they can fight first quarter, but then still do tough? I don't know if that's that even makes sense. If people are going to be excited, 
It all depends on how the fight goes down. Um, but maybe that could work if if the fight either ends really quickly or is a, an all-out war. You know, that's something that that would leave you know bitter taste in in both or one of the uh, fighters' mouths, and then they'd want some 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 payback. So you can make it work. You can make anything work if the UFC has shown us anything in 2020. It's that that you know where there's a will, there's a way. I want to see it sooner. Everyone wants to see it sooner. Um, and so I hope we get it. I hope they don't make us wait until the summer to then watch tough and then wait until that's over to see the fight. I think that the UFC playing it safe, their approach would be to like, look, you guys are going to headline your own, you know, the year end pay-per-view. Mind you, we barely hit double digits of January. So the fact that you're talking about now, we're not going to see Masvidal Covington until December that absolutely frightens me. It mm-hmm. saddens me, Natalie, just saying the words. Yeah, it's more so, than a year, right? So that's way yes. too far away. So the way I could see this going, however, is they could try to do something like Masvidal fights somebody else and Colby fights somebody else, and then they coach tough, and then they meet for the big one at the end of the year. That is very risky. Obviously, one of them loses and suddenly it's not as fun anymore. At least in this way, you know, Masvidal, he didn't lose momentum because of the way the fight with Usman went down. Seven days notice and blah, blah, blah. He loses again. That obviously takes a lot of the wind out of the sails. Colby, you know, he's coming off the wind. But even then, I think about, well, who are you going to give him? Because the only other people who make sense are Leon and Hamzat, which, you know, depending on how you see it, are very risky fights. Same thing, who do you give Jorge um, to fight? I do believe that Jorge, you know, BMF versus NMF, Wonderboy Thompson, is an option. But even then, that's a risky fight. So, if I had to say it, I know UFC wants them on tough. I think that that's just going to be one they have to let go. I say make Jorge and Colby and just give them their own pay-per-view. May, April. Sorry, I know that uh, Stipe is April. May, let them headline. Maybe you put the women's straw weights or, you know, the fly weights. Um, uh, I mean, like for the men, someone like that in the co-main event. Call it macaroni. And just, uh, just roll with that because... I just think that it's too risky any other scenario to make them fight somebody else. And I think that in all honesty for this fight, even with the the promotion of the Ultimate Fighter, it's just too unfair to have fighters in the position and at the level of Colby and Jorge wait a year and a half to fight after tough. I just think that you can't do it. So my thing is make them fight sometime this spring and just um, just go with it. Find somebody else for tough. There's guys out there who'll do it, and they'll they'll talk a good game. Yeah, there's plenty of people, plenty of fighters who dislike each other and who can bring drama to tough. Even even though you want like, if you think about who who's at odds with each other most in the UFC, you know, Masvidal Covington's got to be number one or close to it. But there's plenty of other people who hate each other or dislike each other. So I'm not terribly worried for the fate of the new of the return of tough. Um, yeah, just let these guys fight. 
and put it on ABC. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, <laughs> the censors just would kidding. go wild. Um, Loki, I just thought of something. What if, um, da, 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 Adesanya beats Blahovich, Jones fights somebody, Stipe or Nganu, 4th of July weekend, wins the title, and then they have Adesanya Jones coach tough. That would be another, like, high rating, well, I don't know about ratings, but like, they hype. Want... You, can, you can hype that up a lot. Um, lots of lots of good sound bites from both those guys to make a great commercial to uh, to try and sell that season. Truth be told, John Jones doesn't really. Uh, John Jones' resume speaks louder than John Jones. John Jones mm. isn't afraid to kind of try to big brother you, which you know he's kind of has a he has a good case to do that every time because of his resume, obviously, but. Would it be as fun watching them jaw back and forth like the Jorge Colby? No. But am I interested in seeing how they deal with each other for a lot of hours on end? Oh, yeah. So I'm just saying, I think I found, I think I found the solution. I've thread the needle through the <laughs> MMA gods for the result we all want. And then Adesanya Jones, at the end of the year, they both already fought earlier. This is perfect. I and did it. Fight- you did it. What are they Natalie, fighting? I did it. <laughs> I figured it they out. It. They need to fight for like a different belt or like a crown. Something, you know, like a la BMF. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. <laughs> I'm not against it. If they're not going to fight for an official belt, then give them some kind of hardware. I like it. Yeah. I still think it needs to be for some some marbles some official piece of gold but i guess we'll see um going back to welterweight though before we get too far off the track so uh, you know we bring that up because obviously those are the two biggest stars i've already said that because both of them have already lost to uzman that unless gilbert burns beats uzman it's hard to see masvidal and covington sneak back in immediately in which case do you believe that we will see the Leon Edwards Hamza Chimaev winner fight for the title after Burns? Assuming Usman wins. Yeah, assuming Usman wins. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Why? Why wouldn't it be Masvidal or Covington fighting for the title next? Because they both lost to him already. <laughs> yeah, rather recently, okay. by the way. Um, yeah, I guess I guess so because I think there's greater interest in Masvidal fighting Covington than either of those two fighting for the belt again. And I'm sure Usman has, will have something to say about it. He'll say, I beat those guys. Give me someone fresh. So, yeah, it makes sense. MMA math, Edwards, Kamzat, they'll get, one of them should get the shot anyway. Yeah, to me, I think that it just makes for such an easy sell because I think that, for one, if you're Colby, if you're uh, Jorge, after you've beaten the other, you know, it whichever comes out on top in that fight, you have a case if it is Usman, hey, you know, like, I've built my way back up. Jorge would have a full camp. Colby would be arguably an even bigger star after what he did to Tyron and Jorge. So you have that uh, storyline there. Then if it's, um, you know, let, depending on Burns, or even let's say you have a situation where Leon or Hamzat were your welterweight champion, hypothetically, um... You would have a case, I mean, imagine Jorge and Leon, three-piece in a soda, run it back. 
I've heard Colby talk about Leon, the whole USA versus UK. You have that there. And then Hamzat versus anybody is just like, you know, the mystery, right? Like, who is this mysterious new player that, you know, has entered the game? Uh, you have a lot of storylines that are easy, but it all makes better sense after Komaru has fought Burns and fought either Leon or Hamzat. And I think that that just works. It gives... Jorge and Colby time to settle their business without being tied to the belt necessarily. So I think that that's just the way the pieces fall where you have the most options depending on who wins and who loses. Hit that button. I like it. There we go. We need like a... If we were on video, this would be the part where like some graphic plays. Yeah. We do that. <laughs> um, let's talk about lightweight as we move along. We're trying to, you know, a little close to the halfway point here. Uh, very simply, does Habib Nurmagomedov return? Does he fight in 2021? No. He's done. I firmly believe that he is done. Even though this morning an ESPN notification popped up telling me that uh, Dana White's going to sit down and talk to Khabib and try and convince him to do another fight. Now, I haven't read the article yet, but that's that was the gist of it here. And it says, uh, what does it say? Dana White expected to meet with retired lightweight champion Khabib this week in Abu Dhabi per Brett Okamoto. So, I mean, did, is that breaking news, Brett? I mean, oh, did you ha- did you have them send the notification for something we all knew, Brett? Come on. I don't think he's coming <laughs> back. I think he has retired. There are very few people where you you say you know they're a man of they're a person of their word. I think Khabib is one of those people. <laughs> He said he's done. I think he's done. He doesn't care about the money. I'm sure. I don't know what his other plans are, but I'm sure he's got plenty. He's, you know, got a lot of fame in in the eastern in Eastern Europe and all over the world. Actually, I think he's going to be fine not fighting. He did everything he needed to do. We never saw the Tony fight. I still want to see that fight, but how do you sell that after Tony loses two in a row? You know. Something has to happen for that to, to, you know, be marketable again. So, I don't think we're seeing him ever again. Where do you stand on the Khabib, yes or no? Uh, I'm going to say no. And I've talked about it. Is there a situation where he's helping the guys train and he just feels that competitive itch uh, for what have you? Absolutely. I wouldn't rule it out completely. I think that's there. But when I look at the current field and you have the Connor, Dustin and all this other stuff, um, I just don't see it happening this coming year. I think that in his heart, he is very content, um, not just like, you know, his word, but he's got he essentially has taken off. I think that we don't focus on it because it's not happening here in the West, but he's got his own MMA company. He's doing, he's like in cell phones now, a wireless company, something like that. Oh. He's got a farm. I mean, that does that sound like a guy who's itching to get back in the cage? No. Nah. So look, let's say, you know, one of these guys coming up wins like their next two or three fights, win the title, defend it, etc. Maybe, maybe absolutely. I think that's a real possibility. I know Habib's going to keep training. He's not going to just, you know, sit and eat and watch TV when he's not working. But um, in terms of right this year, I'd say no. I don't think that Habib is, uh, you know, feeling it, which um, which is completely fine. I think that he's set up a lot of reasons why he's moved on. Um, to move on from everything we've got going on, 
so Chandler, uh, I think that the UFC has really scripted it out. They expect Chandler to beat Dan Hooker and then fight the winner of Connor and Poirier. If Dan Hooker upsets Chandler, I do think that they're going to sneak Oliveira in there. Obviously, if Chandler wins, then Dana White has said Oliveira is Charles Oliveira is looking at Justin Gaethje. I like this plan. I think it gets all the people in the mix. And I think it works out. Do I think that Charles is ahead of Michael Chandler? He should be. I understand that that's just not what they're thinking. And I've just, uh, I think that Charles should stay ready. Kind of like I said with Wonderboy Thompson. If anything happens, this is your fight to have for the title. But the fact is, I just care about everybody getting active and getting a piece of the pie. Justin is somebody Charles would have had to fight anyway if he were champion because he's a top contender. So as long as you're getting those fights, I'm okay with it. Um, But my question now before we move on, how many times will we see the lightweight title up for grabs in 2021? That's a great question, man. When are they going to actually like put it up for grabs though? I think that unless something very interesting happens in the next eight or nine days with like, let's say when you talked about, oh, Dana's with Habib, I thought, did he just tweet out a picture of him at the dinner table? You know? No. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is it, is he at the table with Habib right now? Yes, is that what you're telling me? You. He'd like to talk to you. <laughs> right. Um. So unless Dana is completely just shut down by Habib, I don't see a title being added on to you know, uh, Conor Poirier. Instead, I do believe what we'll see is the title be added to the next fight. Now, when does that happen? Really depends. I do expect either Conor or Poirier to stay active if they have a very straightforward fight. I think the summer. I think we'll see that July-August pay-per-view. We'll see the winner of uh, this, well, not this Saturday, but... This month's pay-per-view fight Chandler or Oliveira for the title. And then maybe one more in July, assuming, depending on how game everybody is. You know, I can't. That's like a bitter pill to swallow a little bit because McGregor Poirier aren't going to get a chance to fight for the belt. They're, They're the next most deserving, I think. Over Chandler for sure. You know, Bellator champion, former Bellator champion, but... You're moving, you're going to the U.S. It's not, you know, it's not like when you leave the UFC and you go to Bellator, it makes sense for you to go for a title immediately. It doesn't make sense for me, from my perspective, for Chandler to go into the UFC, to move up into the UFC and be eligible for a title over Conor McGregor, still the most popular MMA fighter uh, and uh, you know, of our era, and Poirier, who's, who's right up there. Um that's that's interesting but i think that you're right that is what's going to happen i just don't like it i don't like it i wish that the ufc had the the guts to just put the belt up for mcgregor poirier now but they don't want to risk upsetting khabib is 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 the feeling right and they want to give him a chance to completely shut them down as you alluded to before they they put up his belt but he's retired he he left it he left it in the octagon, you know? Not literally, Did he? But no, he left his literally. gloves. He took no. the belt with him. He didn't leave that belt in the octagon. He made sure he carried that out. Yeah, figuratively. And so 
you do that, you say I'm done multiple times over the year, the rest of the year. I, I man, I, you know, I've got, I've been wrong before, so I should probably go find this quote. But I could have sworn I saw, I read that he uh, he said that McGregor and Poirier should fight for the belt. So Dana I, said that was a translator error, but I don't know. Oh, great. Okay, great. I don't know. I I didn't hear the words, and I don't speak Russian to tell you what exactly it is. So okay, we'll forget that then. But I mean, do you? Do you feel that McGregor and Poirier should fight for the belt? Yes. Okay. I think that that was a, a softball that the UFC just gambled with Habib on. And, you know, I, I think that in the end, you know, would it have really added more uh, pay-per-view sales to put the gold belt on the poster? Maybe not in this particular case, but I do think that just to make everything work faster, it would have made more sense. But it, truth be told, belt or no belt, if Habib doesn't come back, I think that they're going to have stuck to the same schedule anyway. And all the people who would have fought each other for the belt, they would fight each other for no belt. And yes, that does change your pay, which is unfortunate. But I think at the end of the day, the fights would have all played out the way they were going to play out with the schedule. That's that's true. Yeah. So... Mm. uh we got a lot to talk about. I'm going to just move us on. But yeah. obviously, we'll be talking a lot about the belts and all that next week anyway. Um, featherweight division, Volkanovski, Brian Ortega. Not official, but I think a lot of people are going to see if this gets added to February. If not, maybe we'll see them get added to the heavyweight card in April. Um, that's, uh, I mean, that's an easy one. Top contender fight. I think it makes the most sense. I'm going to ask you right now. Yair Rodriguez... Versus Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Is it still worth it? Is this still the top contender fight that needs to happen in your opinion? Yes or no? It's still worth seeing them fight. Because they haven't fought anyone in a while. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see them fight someone fresh who has been able to fight in 2020. But I don't think it's the top contender fight anymore. So I still want to see them fight. But their position, their like position as you know, proximity to the belt is uh is has been shifted so they're not they're not as close as they were before it's still a great fight but it's not going to get them a title shot it shouldn't i will add a caveat i think that if calvin cater beats max it's not a title fight it's not a title eliminator if holloway wins and um you know depending on what ortega or volkanovsky won after their fight we could still see the yair's a beat winner fight for the title um, next. But I think that if Calvin Cater upsets Max, then that's that could swing his way and get him a fight with the Ortega or Alex. I think that is a very real possibility. Um, uh, and then besides that, you got a lot of players, obviously, always in the mix. Korean Zombie is still up there, um, stuff like that. So we'll definitely see all of that happen. Um, that was an easy one. Compared yeah. to everything else, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bantamweight. They confirmed Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling for March. This one, there's a lot of players in the mix. So let's break it down real quick. Corey Sanhagen is fighting Frankie Edgar on February 6th. Dominic Cruz is fighting Casey Kenny on March 6th. TJ Dillashaw, I believe, is about two and a half weeks away from his suspension being up. Maybe three. Um, there's a lot going on at Bantamweight. 
we could probably talk all day about all these fights and who could beat who and who will be where and who's over this and that. I'm going to boil it down to a simple one for time. Do you expect one champion in the end to hold dominant or do you think we'll see more of a round robin? One champion in the end. I think Piotr Jan is going to run run through 2021 with that belt around his waist. He's like the uh, the the bantamweight Ivan Drago. <laughs> you know, for I as love talented, it. <laughs> for as talented as that division is, all those fighters you just named, and and the veterans coming back, the legends coming back, dude, he's just I see him right now is just unbeatable. You can hurt him, you can take a round from him, but I don't think you can beat him. His chin is 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 rock hard. His power is rock hard. So I think he's going to run with that belt all the way through into next year. What I think is being understated about the Peter Jan Aljo fight is that um, is both of these guys are so good, and I do uh, I love Peter Jan's style. I think I'm, I'm going to start saying that the bantamweight Ivan Drago, just <laughs> the horsepower behind yeah. that that dude is very impressive. Aljo, so multifaceted, so slick. I will say, I think the winner of this one, I I favor them over most of the guys that I mention. Over, obviously, with Corey Sanhagen, Frankie Edgar at this stage, Dominic Cruz at this stage. I just feel like when you look at their body of work and then consider they'll have beaten the other going into any of these fights, it's hard for me to pick against them. Uh, the TJ Dillashaw thing is intriguing. Um, Jose Aldo's still in the mix and he proved it. But yeah, I believe either Aljo or Pewter will be the one to hold to reign supreme. And I hope they stay active. I hope we see at least two to three appearances, hopefully three, just to help uh, move this division along because you've got so many fun players in the mix there. So that's my hope for it. But I'm there with you. I do think we'll see um, one of them just really move ahead in the pound for pound rankings with their performances i like it uh let's move on the last men's division we'll talk about the flyweights um it looks like they are set with figueredo and moreno dana white said that that's really their plan and it looks like they're even talking dates already i do want to ask you is that the well you know what i think very simply how do you feel about it because i would have said where's cody garbrandt cody is still on the mend so I do think that by elimination, this makes perfect sense to have the rematch if there's no Cody Garbrandt fight and just looking at the rest of the flyweight division. Yeah, man, for sure. And the UFC owes the debt to those two guys. They stepped up in a big way, the way a lot of fighters aren't able to do. Not, I wouldn't say not willing, but aren't able. And these guys were able to you know, fight and then three weeks later come back and fight again and give everybody a really amazing fight, you know, fight of the year contender, five round war so and they're the flyweights talk about bringing attention to a division that has suffered in that you know in that arena for a long time so now you have two guys that are willing to scrap that can hurt each other Figueredo is blowing the brakes off of other fighters and Moreno was you know the only guy in a long time to be able to stay in there with him and give it to him so UFC owes them and this is a great payday opportunity for both fighters if they're willing and able, let's run with it. And Cody Garbrandt, man, COVID doesn't mess. And so the poor guy's having to still recover from that. 
doesn't matter how healthy you are, man. Of you know, of all folks, you you would not expect to be still lingering, suffering with lingering issues. It would be an MMA fighter, but there we are. So, um, you know, he looked great against. Oh boy, Pedro. Yeah, Rafael Sunso. Yeah, that was that was wicked. That was that was like crazy, man. Crazy knockout, but. Unfortunately, the last few years of his career have been halted, slowed down a lot by injury and now, you know, illness, side effects of illness. So I like Figueredo Moreno, too, and we're just going to have to wait for Cody. Yeah, I'm not going to add any more to that. I think you broke it down perfectly. If anything, I do worry that at the end, Cody is probably going to have to fight fight somebody else just because he's been out so long. Um, which is unfortunate because I did get excited to see him back in there against anybody after that knockout of a Sun Sal, but you know, it's he's kind of had that Leon Edwards luck every time we think that he's back and he's going to have it, things just kind of move on without him, and that's unfortunate, but I think that's just the situation that he's been in after so many months. Remember, he hasn't fought since, I think, that card in June, so yeah. that's just where we're at. But, um, yeah, I do hope to see, uh, look, I'm excited to see these guys kind of settle it. I think that, um, even if it doesn't feel like it's the deepest division as it stands, that it's going to be a lot of exciting fights. Figueredo, Moreno, uh, Figueredo, Garbrandt, uh, Moreno, Garbrandt. I think it's all good stuff. Um, let's talk about the women. This one, I'm going to just get out of the way. Women's featherweight division. Does it continue after Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson now confirmed for March? No. I'm going to tell you why. I'm not going to do the whole thing. I will just say it right now. It is fascinating to me. You have someone who is about to fight for a title who win or lose in Megan Anderson could very likely be released from the promotion and they just call it more macaroni. Because (laughs) if she wins... Yes, there's a lot of interest to have Amanda Nunes fight her in a rematch, but Amanda could just say, I fight better at Bantamweight anyway. She's already said that before. I'm going to just call it a day and stick to defending my 135 title. Or, uh, you know, maybe they do the rematch, or UFC is just like, look, Megan, um, thank you. You fought well. We just don't have any fighters for you. The only other woman besides Felicia Spencer is a girl who's 1-0 in her MMA career. Thank you for playing. Enjoy the belt. Or Amanda wins and they say, look, Amanda, there was never anybody. We They're going to say they could not find anybody to fight Amanda. That's not entirely true, but that's how they're going to sell it. And they're just going to call it a day and be like, guys. You're released from your contract. I hope you guys go make money in Bellator or PFL, wherever. Thank you for playing. Yeah, I think it's going to be thank you for playing. Um, the UFC probably fairly confident that Amanda Nunes will be able to defeat Megan Anderson. They should have a backup plan in case, in case you know the MMA world is rocked and Megan Anderson manages to beat Amanda Nunes. Because if she does... At the very least, you get a rematch out of it. So there's a little more, you know, life in the featherweight division at that point. And if she beats her again, eh, maybe you get a third one out of it. You know, you can sort of milk this one if that happens. But it's not fair to Megan Anderson to then just be sitting on ice because there's nobody else for her to fight. And Nunes is probably going to want to defend her bantamweight belt in between that. So it kind of creates a whole bunch of problems. Let's just assume Nunes beats Megan Anderson. 
I think it's thanks for playing folks too. And um, they would probably have this conversation with Nunez beforehand. Um, and then I could see them announcing it that night as they give her the belt saying, we're retiring the division. Amanda Nunez has cleaned it out. There's nobody left. She's the most unstoppable featherweight in the world. You could say that, or you just wait a few weeks and then sort of you know release a statement. Either way, if Amanda wins, I think it's done. She's probably want to folk going to want to focus more on her family and just cleaning out the bantamweight division again. Uh, although you know we'll get to that one, um, but yeah, let Megan Anderson you know go off and into Bellator, go off to PFL. She'll have a much better, more competitive, like excitingly more competitively exciting time. Uh, and either of those promotions, because there's nothing here for her but Amanda Nunes, and that's fun to do once, but then what? So yeah, Nunes wins, division done. Yeah, what I care, you know, let the women go go out there and get paid. And I know it's tough because when you think about it, like win the UFC title, that's such a big dream and a goal, and it does things for your career that you can't quantify, you know, really until you get it, you know, the credibility as you go on to try to be an analyst or you're building a YouTube channel or you're building this platform. It does so much for you. So the fact that, you know, like it's kind of essentially being uh, devalued because the division is what it is, it's unfortunate. But when you talk about how many years they have to fight, if UFC doesn't have it in their plan, by all means, just let everyone go somewhere else where they can get paid and fight and do what, you know, go do everything they can do. Um, which I think is the most unfortunate thing about the featherweight division, particularly for Megan, because Megan can't fight at Bantamweight. She's been here the longest, more than Felicia Spencer, and she's kind of had to be fed the steady diet of Bantamweights and then hope for a title shot and work her way up. So I think that when I look at a big picture, just let them all go get paid. Yeah. Um Moving on to Bantamweight, I'm going to just say bluntly, no, this is the state of things. The Bantamweight title was not fought for at all in 2020, and I don't think anyone ever cared. Nope. It didn't ever, it didn't ever come up. And yes, mind you, the top contenders have literally already been beaten by Amanda Nunes. I think that when you expected someone to be- break through, like an Aspen Ladd or Irene Aldana... Um, they just, I know Aspen got hurt, but Irene, you know, lost to Holly Holm. Um, very unfortunate, but I think this is just a sign of the times. I know that the Holly versus Durandamy fight is out there, but if I'm being honest, Natalie, ever since the end of the Ronda Rousey-Misha Tate era, the Bantamweight division's been so bottlenecked, and I always bring it up. Raquel Pennington came back after a year-long layoff and was still the number one contender. And it's like, is that how shallow this division is? Just looking at it, I, I was just shocked. And so you have that situation. You have the fact that really, uh, I'll say now, if Megan Anderson were to beat Amanda, that would almost be the best thing to happen to the Bantamweight division because it gives someone else more time to develop because as I look at it right now, if Amanda were to beat Megan tomorrow, I can't say I'm exactly roused by any, you know, let me use a different word. That sounded bad, but <laughs> I'm not jumping out of my seat for the Holly or Jermaine rematch because of the way those went. And quite bluntly, the next girl in line, Aspen Ladd, she's still coming off another injury and probably needs to get back out there and prove herself against a top contender. 
Yeah, man, this is a far cry from the Ronda Rousey um, era for sure. I mean, just think about how thrilling that was. Even the era, you know, so the era where she was winning and then the era where she wasn't, even that was still exciting because it was shocking, it was stunning. Holly Holm comes in, Nunes comes in, and, you know, in between that, Misha Tate wins the belt, and that was an amazing victory. Then she loses it to Nunes, and then Nunes beats Rousey. The whole roller coaster was thrilling. That was a, a hot division, a hot commodity, and it's we're still talking about Holly Holm and Jermaine Durand. Jermaine back in the picture. And Holly Holm, by the way, you know, reminder, looked amazing against Serena Aldana, like better than I can recall her looking in a long time. Her fire is back. So I am excited to see her fight Nunez or Durandamy, I guess, would probably be the, as you said, the next the next fight up for her. Um, there's redemption in that story with Durandamy after they fought at 145 and Holly Holm ate a couple of late shots and then lost the belt, right? Didn't win the belt, I should say. Yep. So... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is stagnant. It is in need of some excitement, and I think we're still going to see good fights out of the division. But it's definitely not going to be, you know, main eventing anything unless fights start falling. You know, like some other like Figueroa uh, Moreno. Profile. Yeah, like higher profile fights fall out, and then you know they have to step in, right? Exactly, like Figueroa Moreno, and that proved you know to be actually a great surprise and a great boon for that division. So maybe we'll get something like that. Maybe we'll get a fight of the year contender out of, out of Holly Holm and GDR. Actually, that's, that's highly possible. They're strikers, man. They like to stand and bang. Now Holly Holm is happy to use her wrestling wherever possible, but um, I don't know. I actually, I could get excited for that fight fight. Now that, now that I say it out loud. But yes, and anyway, it's still a really stagnant division, and I don't know what's going to happen, um, what it's going to take. Like, just we just need young blood, and that's that takes a while to build up. So, Yeah, I think it's just been, like, I, I don't know. I, I'll say it this way. I'm actually shocked that we haven't had that new player just completely shake up everything. I mean... You know, usually it's like, you know, you get the Hamzat or somebody like that, you know, um, just finally break through. In three or four years since the, you know, Ronda and Misha, Holly, you know, triumvirate, um, besides Amanda, nobody's had that moment. Nobody's had that breakthrough. And I find that shocking because, you know, in MMA, even as competitive and as all the different ways there are to win, it just happens. The fact that it hasn't is like, wow, you know, so... I don't know what it is that it's just, you know, the curse of Ronda Rousey. She went and just they couldn't find, you know, more than one after that. But um, it is what it is. It's Amanda's world and we're all just, you know, watching her rule the savannah, you know, the lioness in it. <laughs> um, Women's flyweight. This one, pretty simple. Uh, Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade. I like that fight. I think it makes a lot of sense sells i think it could be very competitive um i like it lauren murphy is right there i think that um you know she has a right to say that you know she's deserves to be there especially when you look at the division behind everybody else behind those three i so i like it my question do you believe we'll see zhang wei li move up and fight you know champ champ in 2021 uh, I think she'll move up, but I don't know about 2021, maybe end of the year, because 
it depends what she wants more. She holds a lot of power, right? Because of the market, the Chinese market, the Asian market. The UFC still wants to keep growing that. She's extremely popular. And so I bet she gets to call her shot a little bit, not a lot of bit, but a little bit because, uh, you know, does she want to continue to defend her straw weight belt or does she want to make that super fight? She probably wants to make the super fight sooner than later, but I think Shevchenko is perfectly fine just continuing to go through the flyweights. And I suspect Shevchenko will want to do that a little bit more before she gets into that super fight. So I think we'll see it, but I think it's going to be end of 2021. I think that Shevchenko's perfect scenario, she completes the sweep, beats Andrade, beats Murphy. Um, obviously, anything can happen, and I'll respect that, you know, but uh, I think we know just how dominant Shevchenko has looked this year. Um, the thing about Zhang Weili, and I'm going to just use that to segue to strawweight to finish the finish us off, is that we're waiting for Rose Namajunas. I, I don't know what's going on. All I know is I don't have high confidence that it's happening soon. In which case, you know, uh, Dana White already mentioned Carla Esparza would make uh, sense as the next up. And then after that, you've got some intriguing players. Um, Amanda Hibas is someone I think the UFC is really high on. You have the China versus China, uh, cla- you know, just showdown with her countrywoman, Yan Xionan, who beat Claudia Gadea. Um, th- there's options out there. Particularly, can you imagine the two Chinese fighters headlining in China? Ooh. And when you consider Yang Weili. And also, um, when I asked her, I was like, you know, what would you think? And she even said, I think I would be a better champion for China than Weili. And I was like, holy. And I don't know if there was something lost with the translator, but it was a straightforward question. And she kind of hit me with it. And I was like, this, this, they got that beef. This could go, yes, this could go down, you know? So when I think about all of that, all those options for Wei Li potentially, and then obviously if someone beats her, then you go back to the round robin again. Tatiana Suarez is coming back. She could shake it all up. Um, it gets more complicated, but I think that when I look at a straightforward scenario, Wei Li fights Rose, maybe fights, uh, you know, Carla, Ibas, one of these other girls, then it's like, well, let's make it happen. Let's fight. Let's uh, move up because I think that that there wouldn't be a better time to capitalize for the women making the move. I I just don't think, in my opinion, when you look at how dominant Shevchenko is, when you think about the impact that Wei Li is having outside of the U.S. and in Asia, I think it just makes all the sense in the world for it to happen. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, oh, Wei Li and Rose, you know, I would like to see that. I don't know what the holdup is, if it's, you know, negotiating for money or something i'm 90% sure it's on rose's side negotiating that's the impression i'm getting i'm curious about this because it seems like rose maybe wants to like doesn't even really want to be a champion but she wants to fight the person who is the champion you know what i mean like she wants to beat her but doesn't want like the stress and pressure that comes with being the champion that's the feeling i get and so maybe she's figuring if I'm going to carry that burden, which I think is how she sees it, is like a, almost like a burden to be champion, then I really want maybe to get paid or some other form of compensation, something. 
that she's not getting yet. It doesn't feel right for her yet. Okay, that's fine. Um, but I want to see Weili Zhang fight. So, you know, if it's Carlos Barza, okay. I'm a big fan of Carlos Barza. I think for as long as she's been in the division and for all the improvements she's had, I think there is still a, a you know a gap there as far as skills and power. And so I don't think she would last that long. But she's really, really tough. She doesn't quit. She's durable. And so it could be a fun fight. I don't, I don't think it will be uh, a back and forth thing. So it could be fast. And I, so that's why it's like, uh, I'm not so excited about that. You know? I think to me, um, I'll say it. I think, uh, I don't know what it is because she's in China or what have you, but I would hope Wei Li would be more active in 2021. I think that would be the best way to sort it all out. Fight Rose, fight Carla, fight Tatiana, see where Amanda Hibas is at, see where Michelle Watterson's at. I think all of that would make all the, just make it so much easier. But because you have all these, you know, you know, outside of Rose, everybody's just kind of all still vying for that spot to be the next, to stand out as the next contender. It's really tough to kind of project this one. And I think that's the challenge is that like, look, if the champion's active, there's going to be more eagerness, I think, more incentive to get these women booked so you can make these fights happen and get her back in there. So I think that's the thing is that I hope for 2021, I'll put it up there, a more active Zhang Wei Li because I think that she is such an intriguing character in the fight game too. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, women's atom weight division. No, just kidding. <laughs> we did it. So that's, I mean, I will be the uh, uh, the first champion of the women's atom weight division. Just so you know, I'm breaking the news right here. <laughs> okay, I have a question. You love Carla Sparza, but you know, you blocked her at that one event. I did, but what? she took a picture with me. So <laughs> what if she, what if that was her husband, and you know, I know. You, that that was the greatest love story ever, and instead she just settled for a selfie with Natalie. Yeah, but he shouldn't have left then. He could have just waited. This is a good point. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've redeemed yourself. You win the argument. Thank you. Um, uh, look, uh, can you believe it? MMA is back um, on ABC. First time on network television since the Fox era. Back to Fight Island. Fans in attendance. And it all starts this coming Saturday. Max Holloway, the former king, taking on the heavy-hitting Calvin Cater. Natalie, break it down for me. What do you see in this fight? I'm excited for multiple reasons. Firstly, because we're going to have a killer fight on ABC. I got to say, you know, as an avid TV watcher and someone who didn't have cable growing up, the local, the local, uh, you know, the free channels were my best friends. I loved Fox. That was the channel I watched all the time here in LA, Channel 11. But I know full well that ABC is a much uh, reaches a much broader audience. And so I'm really excited that I, I'll back up and say, I think it's a bigger deal for the UFC to be on ABC than it ever was for it to be on Fox. So I'm, I'm thrilled about that. Okay. Holloway cater. Um, I think Holloway beat Volkanovsky in the last fight in that rematch. And, uh, you know, his home life is great. So I think that'll be great motivation for him to get back in there and beat his opponent, whoever it may be in this case, it's Kelvin cater resoundingly. Holloway's more motivated because he's engaged now. Well, I think. (laughs) I just want to confirm that's what you mean. Yeah, that's that's what I mean for sure. Yeah, and I think it does, 
it's not necessary. You know, everyone finds their motivation wherever they need to. But I think since this is the next, this is the biggest change in his life right now, it's going to add extra motivation for him. Okay. And coming off of uh, a loss that he knows and everybody, most people know, was a win, that's motivating too. Okay. Calvin Cater, however, uh, for as great as Max Holloway is, I think Calvin Cater presents an interesting puzzle for him. Calvin Cater has angles. He's a diverse striker. He doesn't move his head a whole lot, but he has power and a lot of it, which I don't think Max Holloway has. Max Holloway has always been the come forward volume striker, outpoint you, wear you down. Calvin Cater will wear you down too, but it just happens a lot faster because he hits a lot harder and he's just, you know, it's not come forward, it's like charge forward. So this is going to be a scrap. I'm excited to see it. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. Cater, I think power is going to be the, the biggest um, element in his favor for Calvin Cater. And uh, I'll toss it to you. I'd like to hear what you think about this. I mean, I just kind of like that it's like, well, you know, he's engaged now. He wants to make sure his girl knows she's making the right choice, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> no, but, um, uh, all joking aside, I think that with uh, Holloway, I think people kind of underestimate him a little bit because he's got that Hawaiian vibe. He's a chill dude. He's right there with Steven as the nicest guy in the UFC. Um but I think that people forget that you don't get to 12-fight win streak. You don't get to all those title defenses. You don't get to beat Jose Aldo twice and then beat Brian Ortega, beat the bricks off of Brian Ortega, um, unless you are continually working and striving to be the best and be the best fighter you could be and really commit to the craft. I think that coming off those two losses to an equally dangerous fighter quite bluntly, in Alexander Volkanovsky, um, that Max Holloway went back to the lab and it's like, look, you know, let's build on everything we did. Look at the improvement from the first Volkanovsky fight to the second. And yeah. just how, Yes, it was close and all that, but that's because it took two to tango. Completely different fight, both improved, both fighting stylistically different. I expect the same... Holloway went back and watched the tape and looked at what he could do to improve as a fighter. Um, that does not matter when you're taking hits from a guy like Calvin Cater. Calvin is, um, you know, like you said, you know, powerful, durable, going to come forward, going to try to get him. What I will say is that when you look at, let's say, the fight between um, Holloway and Brian Ortega, is that Calvin Cater, I expect to do a lot of similar things. Uh, maybe use some wrestling, more kicks, but at the end of the day, it's about getting in with his own boxing to try to make this an ugly fight and get in there and take away a lot of the volume and the movement of Holloway. I think it's going to be on Max to be very dialed in, get his angles, slip and move, counter. If he can do that effectively, which I expect him to, then he stays ahead of Calvin Cater. Um, obviously Calvin, if he can wear him down, good movement, use some kicks, get his way inside, then he has all the weapons he needs to, to really rough up Max, if not finish him completely with a good place shot. So I love this fight stylistically. I think it's a high stakes fight for the featherweight division, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and just call my shot Max Holloway for the win. I'm going to say 
third round TKO. I think it's going to be a return of the king kind of situation, and he's going to put a great few combos together to get him out of there. Oh, boy. Third round. Okay. I like it. I do agree with you that it's return of the king situation, so I think this one's going to hold as well. Um, Footwork is going to be his best friend. Staying alert, you know, when he opens his eyes all big and wide because he's really, like, dialed in, right? Okay, we're going to see that, Max. Uh, he's going to be moving around, picking his shots. He's going to be able to outpoint Calvin Cater. It's still going to be a scrap. I think the main thing he has to worry about is body shots because he's got that long, thin frame. Now, he can take a shot in the body, but I think that's going to be more worrisome from my perspective than a head shot. So that's that's power. a power shot to the body is the thing I'm worried about most from Calvin Cater against Max Holloway. But I still think Max Holloway is going to be able to use his footwork and his volume striking to beat him. But I think it's going to go the distance. So five rounds, uh, unanimous decision, Max Holloway. Ooh, unanimous decision. Mm-hmm. 25 minutes of this thing. Yep. All right, all right. I am ready for it. Natalie, can you believe it? It's been about three or four weeks without UFC, and now we're finally back. We're back, baby. Fight Island. Ooh, on ABC. Can you believe that? You don't have to cast it or anything. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no that's gonna be nice um guys thank you for hanging on that is the end of our show we are in agreement max holloway t- gets the win over calvin cater fans are back i am excited right. to see how that's gonna sound on tv for the first time in a while i think that's gonna be a lot of fun i think that they're gonna be extra excited because they know they're the first ones back um and can you believe it next week Doubleheader, Michael Chiesa against Neil Magny. And the piece de resistance, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. What are you most excited <laughs> to talk about? Uh, McGregor Poirier, of course. Second to that would be Chandler versus anybody because I just really want to see how Chandler debuts in the UFC. Um, I think that I always say that anytime you have Conor McGregor fight, there's a lot of UFC fans out there. There are a lot of MMA fans. Everybody just pays attention to us the second the Notorious comes out. And I think that um, it adds a little more excitement, if you ask me, when you work in the business. Because, you know, this is a time when, you know, uh, like, for example, next week, the football games are probably... Well, I think they might be on Pro Bowl, but um, they take precedence, you know, mm-hmm. like the basketball is like, well, the UFC was on. Yeah, but we're going to lead the Los Angeles Lakers defeated so-and-so regular season game. When Connor fights, that's the show. When Connor fights, everybody else is the afterthought, not the other way around with UFC. And we're second place to the big game, right? So I just like it. I'm excited to see all that energy uh, coming up after next week. Heck yeah, man. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week. We'll recap everything. We'll look ahead to the fight cards. MMA is back in action, and so are we. Until then, have a good one.